Man, I'm glad we didn't have this much trouble as the dog has. Uh, we didn't have as much trouble last time we did this. Uh, speaking of not having any trouble, welcome to watching the show with Coach Jim Dunn. And he never has any troubles. All he has is good information for us. And we will dig into uh, his thoughts and opinions on the NFL draft. Another, not exactly the record setting draft that you had last year, but it's still a, the second best record setting draft George has ever had. So we'll talk about that. Also talk a little spring football. We'll talk about uh, a bunch of other Georgia-related stuff. The coaches are out on the road right now, and we will we'll open all that up. So if you have a question, if you have a comment, go ahead and put it into this uh, comment section there. We'll try to get it on screen. If it's cool, let us know where you're watching the show from. Please follow this page. It would mean a lot to us. And uh, hit the like button. We appreciate that. My name is Ryan DeBulls. I'm joined by Dane Young. We are here to grill Coach Donnan on his uh, thoughts about the NFL draft. And coach, a uh, pretty good draft by, uh, you know, you had a good draft when the Philadelphia Eagles are changing their Twitter handle, you know, and putting out, uh, calling themselves the uh, Philadelphia Bull Eagles and stuff like that. They're just, they're having a lot of jokes with the number of uh, Georgia Bulldogs they drafted and the fact that they traded for another one. Uh, you got to know that Kirby Smart's recruiting staff was screenshotting that, sending it out to all the uh the Dylan Rayolas of the world, you know, saying, Hey, look, that uh, we don't see them doing this at Alabama or Clemson. They, these, these NFL teams love us. And you've had, we've had 25 players selected in the last two years in the NFL draft. That's pretty damn good. Yeah. Unbelievable. Really. Uh, Philadelphia Beagles. Uh, it's going to be a interesting scenario there because uh, I, I don't remember anybody having that many from one team, but, when you just look at the culture of any team that has a winning program, there's got to be a lot of connectivity to for them to win on a level like that uh, because you're going against 31 other teams that have the same goal of going to the Super Bowl and have the same draft capabilities as far as staff and everything like that. But uh, it just looks like if you, look, if you just uh, delve into the Eagles the last couple of years, you know, they took uh, Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith from Alabama, uh, two outstanding players. And, of course, all of us remember the play Smith made to beat us in uh, 2017. But uh, the, the point I want to make is, uh, and you hear Green Bay say it too, that the Georgia players come in and they're battle-tested as far as pro uh, concepts, as far as pro practices, as far as uh, – being team oriented. So, and the Eagles had, uh, you know, a couple guys on our team last year that, that went up there and, uh, you know, and they Kobe had a few injuries, but uh, certainly Dean played well. And then uh, Davis, but I think if you just go back in real capsule deal here is uh, there was a lot of intrigue about Jalen Carter and rightfully so because if if you're local here, you know the scene. But if you're outside of that and you're investing that kind of capital, you got to do some really good research. But but you bring in a guy with that kind of ability to a, a to an established culture where where the players there are kind of a team first uh, atmosphere. It makes it easier for him to make that adjustment because he he's not getting uh, you know all these people looking at him. A, from an individual standpoint, like this guy's a real, got real issues. But, and you uh, add to that the fact that there's two existing players that are going to make it more comfortable 
to explain to the other guy about his uh, other guys on the team about his personality. And then all of a sudden you bring uh, Nolan Smith in there who is could be Mr. Congeniality for any team as far as the personable, outgoing guy that doesn't mind saying anything to uh, uh, to anybody, such a good personable guy. So that kind of structure around uh, Jalen's going to help him because he's starting out ahead of the game because he's not going to have a bunch of strangers there. He's got people there that are used to to him and know what he's like. So that was just a very smart move by the Eagles in my, from my standpoint. And, uh, you know, and then he, I guess we'll go on and talk about these other teams here. So I don't want to kind of talk too much to steal your thunder here, but, and then to get swift on a trade from, here's a guy that grew up in Philadelphia as equal fan, uh, you know, played high school ball there and uh, would just fit in uh, tremendously well with Hertz in that offense because He's such a threat to catch the ball. He's a really good inside and outside runner. He's a home run threat. And, uh, boy, I tell you, that was a great trade they made. Just just really smart. And then they traded up to get uh, Keeley in the fourth round, gave up a third-round pick for uh, 2024 because they knew who they wanted and they felt like they might not get a guy in the third round next year that's as good as Keeley was in the fourth round. And and I want to hit this point real quick. A lot of people saying, well, wh- why did he drop? Why did he drop? You know, when you're going to make a move like that for a big time corner, y- there can't be a lot of doubts. And, and this year doubt crept in with Keeley. He had nine personal foul penalties that he had interference or defensive holding on. And he was the tar- most targeted corner in the country. And he did a lot of good things with that. But at the same time, He's a guy that can cover kicks. He was a gunner on the special teams. He's a little stiff in the hips, but he's 6'2", 207, runs a 4'3", 540, has a great vertical. And they've got good corners there. It's not going to be like he's got to come in and play right away. He can learn from those guys and maybe play some nickel and play some safety and be great on special teams. I think he's just going to be a guy would be like somebody you bring in and in college and red shirt them and then get them ready and then they're ready to play uh he has outstanding potential and he's got good character too so uh eagles a plus draft <laughs> let me run through some of these other guys that were drafted from georgia and just i don't know the football fit based on where they went to because i think you touched on three of those very well let's go broderick jones with the steel yeah, I think if there's one guy that just fits into that Steeler offense, it would be Broderick Jones, a consummate pass protector. Uh, they, they're not running the ball quite as much as they used to, but they still have a power running game with Najee Harris back there, the Alabama back. Uh, Kenny Pickens, a young quarterback. Uh, uh, Pickett, what's his what's his name? Uh, Pickett. Uh, the, I'm getting mixed Kenny up. Kenny Pickett. Yeah. Okay. Pick at the pickings. So, uh, uh, but Broderick is just, uh, boy, he just, to me, is what you want at a left tackle. He's just going to be with the footwork and the uh, quickness that he has and not a real mauler, but you don't have to be that up there. You can't, you're not looking for uh, anything but a tie up there just to get those backs to the line of scrimmage. So, I thought that was a steal for the for uh, well, I don't mean Steelers. Oh, good, good, come on, it was just a good pick by the by the Steelers, and 
I think I give them a lot of credit. Uh, you see these hands-on coaches that come and watch these guys work out, like Bilicek and and uh, and all these other guys. And the, and the Steelers were here with everybody looking at our guys, and uh, they they did a good job of uh, of analyzing them. And I'm I'm happy for uh, Broderick. Just going to be a great player in the pros. Also with the Steelers, 93rd overall, Darnell Washington. Well, all of us know what this guy's capabilities are, and he gives you a higher graded guy than what he ended up being. And I think the problem is he, he does have some arthritic knees or something to, in his knees, and he's six seven, almost six eight, and he's vulnerable there. You know, people hit him below the waist a lot of times around the knees. So th- that question mark is is something that uh, hindered him a little bit. But, uh, I mean, it's just to me, like, if you can get Darnell Washington and Keely Ringo in the fourth round and know that you got them for four years for that kind of salary cap and knowing that you don't have to take all your money and, and uh, put it in one or two players like that, it just helps you get a better team. And, that's the whole idea up there for the fans, just to understand that you got a salary cap, and if you're putting all this mega bucks into one or two players, it's hard to have a really good overall squad. So, uh, Steelers are building a pretty good group there. You know, they got Pickens on the outside, and then Darnell just gives you a guy that can play like a fifth tackle. I mean, he can block. And uh, the other thing is. When you go up there and people are expecting you get drafted a little higher, he's going to have a burr in his saddle. He's going to say, hey, look, you, all your rest of your teams, you should have taken me earlier, you know, and uh, he'll do well. There were a lot of people that uh, kept referring to him as, you know, a blocking tight end, and, you know, they, he didn't have a ton of catches. And every scout I spoke to or anybody I spoke to about it, I said, look, this guy was used to getting 60 to 70 balls in high school. They threw to him a ton. He has cans. And then, of course, at the combine, he makes the one-handed catch, you know, and then as impressive as that was and as viral as that moment went, I think it was just as viral as the fact that everybody was trying to push the sled and they kind of moved it a couple inches and he drives it down the field and pops up like it was no big deal. So you knew there had to be something, like you said, Coach, They it's like what – we were all kind of going, what the hell's going on? This is a guy that should not be in the fourth round, but he will have a burden of saddle. He left early to make an impact. So he's going to show that uh, he's going to go fight for his little girl and he's going to, he's going to kick some ass. Well, the, the other thing is when we touched on this last week, that what might hinder Ringo and uh, also Washington was a plethora of other players at that position. You look at, at one guy in the first round, uh, the guy from Utah, Kincaid, and then Mayer from uh, Notre Dame goes early, and that guy from Iowa. Hey, Iowa, as bad as they've been, I mean, they've won some games, but they had four guys drafted really quickly, you know, and uh, unbelievable, really, considered what their team's been playing like. But I just think that another point for our fans to get a chance to hear this stuff is the volume of tape that these guys have access to practice tape that these scouts come in and they see Ringo working against Chris Smith or working. I mean, uh, I mean, Ringo working against our receivers or Washington working against Chris Smith or Bullard and are going back to even going back to some guys before that. Another thing about our draft before I forget it, we'll get it. 
We had two defensive backs drafted that played for other teams. Amir Speed went to the Patriots, and uh, Tyreek Stevenson from Miami got drafted too. So uh, basically four guys from our secondary got drafted. Uh, Ringo Smith, Tyreek Stevenson, and Amir Speed. I'm happy for Amir. Good kid. Uh, let's go. Let's go fourth round pick, 128 overall, Stetson Bennett to the Rams. I think that's a, one of the best things that, you know, that's on you're the best thing that ever <laughs> happened. I hey, I thought about that. If you just talk about a guy that has a, an existing relationship with us, uh, Sean McVay came and spoke at our uh, clinic a couple years ago. He's from Atlanta. He knows the whole story of Stetson. Uh, from what I understand, talking to insiders that Stetson had a really good one-on-one with him when they had the visit there. Of course, Matthew Stafford and and uh, Bobo and all those guys know each other, and it, it's just that they they it's like they had a lot of inside stuff that nobody else knew about Bennett, even though everybody was talking about the negatives on him. But uh, he's just a football junkie. He loves it. He loves to play. He's going to play for a guy that, that really does, you know, for instance, last year they had terrible amount of injuries. I'm talking about really bad. And uh, so Stafford's hurt and they're looking for a quarterback. So they pick up Baker Mayfield for a couple of games. He comes in there for just uh, a little bit and he, you know, and, and McVay builds his system around this guy and they won a couple of games. Uh, and they don't have a second-team quarterback. I think they're looking, listening to that Sneed guy who's the general manager and McVay. I think they're looking for Stetson to be the backup. And to me, he's that's a perfect scenario for him. I mean, they got uh, – they just – they live off the play-action pass. They, they do a great job of calling plays at the line. Everything that he does well, they uh, accentuate. So, I, I just think that's a perfect marriage there. Uh, next up, Christopher Smith, fifth round, 170 overall to the Raiders. Uh, you know, I'm higher on Chris, Christopher Smith than fifth round, but I, maybe I know so much about him. I just know the way he can do so many things. But he, he's another guy who gives you all the special teams, which I'm, I'm sure the Raiders are looking for, kind of like when they got uh, White last year at running back. They knew he might not be the back, but he can play all the special teams. So uh, Christopher can, can cover good enough – we can play man coverage as a safety, and he's certainly an adequate uh, ball in the air type guy, and he anticipates pretty well, as as shown by that play against Clemson. That was really, really the kind of the jackrabbit that got our program going a couple of years ago when we couldn't score. Uh, I think he he'll make it. I think he'd have gone higher, Coach. It's, I think he just had a situation right. where he didn't fit the boxes of some of those guys when they look at heights and weights. They're just like, ah, he's a little undersized for what we want to do. We know too much about him. Yeah, exactly. So it's uh, it, it's one of those things where it's like that's you know some of the first boxes you check or what you know what your uh, standards are, and then you look for a uh, exceptional player. Oh. That, you know, you, you can make an exception to those height and weight requirements and speed requirements if they are exceptional. And I don't think enough people realize how exceptional Chris Smith is. Very bright. Um, same with Stetson Bennett. They're like, he's a little short. He's a little this. He's a little that. But you notice the NFL uh, hit the bullet point on him. Big game player. 
And yeah. so I think that's the same with uh, a couple of those guys that might have gone a little lower than people expected, mainly because we know so much about them. They don't. They're looking at these, a lot of these kids for the first time. They're comparing them to hundreds of others, and some of those kids get lost in the shuffle. Yeah, I'll make this point that Ron Wolf, who was a executive of the year forever at Green Bay and, and was kind of a guru of uh, evaluating players, he came up with that system along with the Steelers and all, where they had the Bledsoe system where they had – that was just a nickname for it because of all the different teams that BLED, like Lions, Eagles, D- Detroit, that's how they had Bledsoe. But they had, instead of sending just one scout from each team, uh, a scout would represent Bledsoe and go see everybody and turn it into all of those schools. But he used to say, we're going to have a system set up based on the criteria, and you've got to meet this criteria, and we're not going to take an exception for that. The more exceptions you take, the worse team you're going to have. Occasionally, you might take one, you know, and that's where you look at at Chris Smith. He didn't meet a couple of those criteria. But he also said, you know, how how hard it is to make your junior high team, how hard it is to make your high school team, how hard it is to make your college team. Well, multiply that by about a 1,000, and that's how hard it is to make a pro team because everybody up there, is is uh, a uh, you know a PhD at his position. So uh, even though we know what they're capable of here at Georgia, we got to be we got to kind of temper our enthusiasm with the realism that NFL football is hard to play and be a position player up there. It's just hard. I like thinking three picks later, Robert Beal one seventy three overall to the Forty ers well, I, I give this guy so much credit for the way he stayed in here and, uh, you know, stayed the course and believed in the system and got to coaching and just was an ultimate team player and was in the background. And who would have ever thought that Robert Bill would get drafted and uh, Cox Wooden, the guy that transferred to Florida, the five-star guy. Don't uh, cry, Coach. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. I know you're broken up over it. No, but I mean, I, I, I mean, I feel bad for the kid that you know. I, you never want to hold a grudge, but it's just a tough deal. But Robert Bill can play so many different positions for you on special teams. Uh, can rush the passer, can play the run, and he'll he'll be a a really good player for him. The next pick, Warren McClendon, to the Rams in the fifth round. Well, we know the versatility Warren had here with uh, the last couple months and it, it had to be uh, you know hitting on him for so long but at the same time uh, you look back at his career he was able to stave off a lot of good players that people were looking for somebody that maybe had a little more uh, whatever it might be to beat him out and nobody could and he was there and he was Mr. Dependable and that's what you're looking for up there you're not going to have a a situation where you don't get beat once in a while. These guys are getting paid humongous amounts of money to rush the passer. So even if you have a good day, you're going to give up some sacks. But this guy is a technician. He knows the game. He's very smart. And the he's kind of a Swiss Army knife guy, can play tackle, guard, and has some ability at center. And when you can be that kind of player as a backup, then uh, it gives you a chance to maybe jump in a game where you might not if you're just a one-position player and somebody gets hurt. Uh, and that's the kind of guy you use more. You know, I was talking to Doug Marone 
got a coach with me that coaches the uh, Saints, and he was talking about that's going to help Warren is the fact that he can he's very versatile, and uh, plus he's played in, against the best teams in the country and been very uh, graded out so good, very consistent player. I mean, you know, if you look – if you're a pro guy drafting people and you look at a guy – one day he really looks good, and the next day maybe he had – well, he had a bad game. This guy didn't have any bad games. He was Mr. Consistency and uh, and got a high character, which you're looking for that too. I'm trying to remember how many guys we predicted would take his spot. I think we said Broderick Jones might, Demarius Mims might, Tate Ratledge might. <laughs> Just, yeah. Well, oh, yeah, they'll come in and uh, – that right guard spot, you know, go to that freshman, and we just did that year after year, and then he goes what the final two years. I don't think he gave up a sack. He's, yeah, I mean, we've just been uh, you talking about running back you and things like that. We've been tackling you here the last couple of years. You look, I just saw where Andrew Thomas, uh, the uh, Giants, picked up the fifth fifth uh, year option on him, which of course he's he's listed right now. Daniel Jeremiah. Jeremiah was telling me he's probably one of the top two or three tackles in the league. And then you got all those other guys that are just moving on in there. And we're going to have, you know, another one next year here, hopefully in Mims. Yeah, remember uh, they're talking about Jamari Sawyer came in and saved their season. A guy who was also fell that we weren't expecting to go where he did in the draft. And what a uh, return on investment there, you know, uh, in Jamari Sawyer. So I, I, I try to tell people, don't worry about where they get drafted. It's, it's a much bigger deal if they get drafted. It's yeah. so rare. And, again, yeah. when you're going with this critical, uh, you know, it's it's kind of like, you know, when I used to talk about a baseball draft, the guy's a really good third baseman. But, you know, you don't want to get drafted by the Kansas City Royals and try to beat out George Brett. But, you know what I mean? It's just you got to you gotta get with a team where you got the opportunity and uh, – the big deal with all those guys, just like Jalen Hurts, is not that first contract, it's that second one. Because yeah. they've got the all the money's out there for the second deal. Well, Dane, we got you muted there. We, we can't hear. Fine. Sorry about that. Uh Kenny McIntosh, <laughs> two thirty seven overall to the Seattle. Call to the Saint to the Seattle to talk to him about Kenny McIntosh. <laughs> Why they let that guy slide so much? Because he's great. He's a really good player. Uh, you know. You know. Here's the thing about Kenny: the, the, the they got those standards on the speed, and he didn't run as good uh, a straight line forty as maybe some teams wanted. You know, you, you look at look at that guy from Texas A&M. I think he went in the third round. Uh, you know, the running backs they say are like streetcars; they come along. Every hour, you know, there's that's the way it happens. But guys like him that can catch the ball, that know how to protect, that that have been in a pro system are invaluable. And I really, you know, I, I, it's not just like each one of these teams. Like, if I didn't think the team was very good that they got drafted by, I would tell you. But I just know what Pete Carroll's all about. I got tremendous respect for him as a human being, as a coach. He's a player's guy that really will relate extremely well to uh, to Kenny Mack. And you heard Kenny on the phone. He was so – I think it was just kind of a relief there, the fact that he finally got drafted, and it was very emotional. But 
uh, they made him feel like they really wanted him and they let him know that he was a steal at that position. So, uh, and sometimes when you're down to the seventh round, you're better off going free agent because you go with a team that needs you, but there's no way to steal the uh, Seahawks would have taken Kenny Mack. If they didn't need a back. And, uh, I like. I think what they got there with uh, Geno Smith finally getting their offense going again, and uh, you know they made the playoffs. I mean, all these teams are are used to winning. You know, certainly the Rams had a bad year last year, but most of our players picked up with teams that have, that are really good programs. Let's talk uh, overall draft picks. Kirby Smart in his first seven seasons has had fifty five draft picks. Uh, if you look at some of the other coaches, you know, notable coaches, names you'd recognize in their first seven years, Pete Carroll had 42. It's pretty good. But again, Kirby had 55. How many Nick Saban have? Any guesses? 46. 41. Yeah. Mark Richt is fourth on the list. He had 40 in his first seven seasons. Uh, Dabo Swinney had 38. Steve Spurrier had 35. Urban uh, Meyer had 29. And Mac Brown had 20. So, just saying uh, the closest one was Pete Carroll with 42, Nick Saban 41, Kirby Smart 55 draft picks in his first seven Really, years. the first year didn't even count. We had one. We had Isaiah McKenzie. Uh, we had one guy and uh, Kirby. I, know, I mean, that's seven years ago. I remember Kirby and I were talking about it. You know, uh, uh, some people were saying about how, how many players we had here when he got here and, you know, offensive lineman and didn't have a, a a kicker or a play a punter or a place kicker on scholarship. Uh, you know, I had a couple bad games faux pas wise, but the the way we built up this roster here is just uh, and that goes back to one thing that I really think that used to really chat me when people were saying, Well, you know, Kirby's a good recruiter, he just can't develop enough because we didn't win on the level early like we are now, but let me tell you something. I, I go out to wa- see a lot of people over the years since I stopped coaching and watching practice and te- teach and stuff like that. We got a bunch of PhD coaches, man. They got a level of teaching and they got a system in place that they believe in. And that's what they do with their evaluation. You come in here in the summer and some of these teams offer people that we don't take and makes you wonder, but for the most part, if we don't take them, there's a reason. And we got a system set up there, uh, which I, I can't share that with you. I, I can't tell you everything. But our player evaluation stuff and the things they write up about players and then show me later when the guy doesn't pan out, unbelievable how good they are at that. Yeah, I've seen one of those cheat sheets. It's, it's pretty damn impressive. Uh, speaking of what also impressive is our friends at Athens Ford. They have – 513 vehicles available on their lot at this moment. Well, of course, since we started the show, they probably sold three or four of them. They sell a lot of vehicles out at Athens Ford, and they will be happy to sell one to you. If you buy one from them, you will get a lifetime powertrain warranty on any of their new or pre-owned vehicles under 80,000 miles. Uh, the only exception being some of the like the more the uh, European cars. You know, the if you buy a Ferrari from them or a Mercedes or something like that, they're probably not going to warranty it just like they do. But again, lifetime powertrain warranty on the uh, vehicles you buy at Athens Ford. I'm a huge proponent of buying their uh, certified pre-owned vehicles. They do such a great job on those. It feels like you're getting a brand new car, but you don't take the uh, 
uh, depreciation on a new one, you know, when you put, ride, ride it off the lot. So Clark Howard would be very happy with you to swing by Athens Ford and get a, what feels like a, a new to you car that feels brand new that you don't have to put the uh, new price, uh, uh, the shock, the sticker shock on it. And of course, uh, the folks at Athens Ford are ultra competitive. They root for the Bulldogs like nobody's business. So they are going to take that same competitive attitude and try to get you the absolute lowest deal. They're, you're not, they're not going to be undersold by somebody else at a Ford dealership. So hit them up when you get the chance. Also want to mention our friends at Academia Brewing Company. I like to pair those two together because after you've gone and looked at cars at uh, Athens Ford, go right down the road. It's very nearby. Swing by Academia Brewing Company. Get their fantastic beers. Try their amazing food. One of the best places you can go hang out. It's a beautiful afternoon today. Uh, go sit in the beer garden. Watch the sun go down. Uh, if you, maybe it's a little chilly. It's a little cooler than we expect. Go sit inside in their big lounge area. Uh, it's just an amazing place to hang out. And if you have a corporate event, you have you want to have a uh, graduation celebration, hit up our friends at Academia Brewing Company. They have an extra big room out there. We see people rent that room out for uh, bridal parties, corporate events and such. It's on the premises there. Uh, so uh, they have a lot of different options for you. And of course, take some beer home with you. So you don't have to get the great beer just there. You can actually take some home. So hit up our friends at Academia Brewing Company. Let's hear from some of the draft picks in their interviews they did with their new teams. And I will start uh, as I find my video tab again. Let's start with uh, Stetson Bennett and what he says that he can learn from Matthew Stafford with the Rams. He's obviously extremely smart. He's one of the most talented quarterbacks that's ever played the game. Um, and he's tough as nails, and, uh, you know, all his teammates uh, seem to always like him. Um, and so I'm excited to just go in there, um, you know, be quiet, take notes, and learn, you know. That's very fair. I mean, this is a guy who – they talked about how much he knows. And, Coach, you mentioned this. I remember when he was named the starting quarterback, everyone was saying – well, why are you playing a guy that will never get drafted? He'll never get drafted. He might be able to win a college game for you. He can't win the big one. He might be able to beat, you know, Vanderbilt and, you know, Missouri, but he can't win the big one. And then when they lost Alabama, everyone's like, see, I told you so. Why is Kirby Smart playing a guy that will never get drafted? He goes in the fourth round, and everything that we heard from anybody was he's a smart quarterback. And that's not to say, you know, it's the only thing he has going for him, but <clears throat> to a man. People that talk football with uh, Stetson Bennett come away with uh, his knowledge of the game. And there he's saying, I still want to learn. I think that's pretty uh, – it's a good answer, but it's also apropos for what we've learned about Stetson Bennett over the years. Yeah, I've dealt with a lot of quarterbacks. I mean, I'm in the fourth quarter, man, 78. He's the smartest quarterback I've ever been around. Um, there, there, oh, wow. <laughs> what else can you say? I, mean, I haven't had any dumbasses either, I'm telling you. I mean, <laughs> Chad Pennington was a Rhodes Scholar at, at Marshall, uh, and he was very, very smart. But but just being able to quick – be able to quick correlation and put it together, Stetson, man, unreal. I think this is so cool for Stetson too because he legitimately is a Georgia fan. Like there are some players that come in and they, you know, they grow to like Georgia. He's been a Georgia fan for a long time. So I have to imagine if there's a player in the NFL that could be his teammate that he would fanboy over, this is probably it. Yeah, that's a good point. He also he has a chip on his shoulder. He's been told he couldn't do it, can't do it, won't do it, all that stuff. 
Now he goes into a guy who's, uh, uh, you know, who he who he respects. And not to say that he wouldn't respect somebody else, but you know he respects Matt Stafford. And, yeah, I'm talking to Kirby about that too. Uh, he he, he canceled. Uh, I think some of us have read or where Kirby said numerous coaches had called him and talked to him about Stetson's mo and everything. And and he he mentioned to. Uh, to uh, Stetson, look, you can't go into all these different meetings with these people uh, trying to, you know, with, with the burden of what's happened here, having to move up. You know, all these people are looking at what's ahead of you. So, you, you know, take that off your back. You got to go in there and uh, be positive. And, and these people aren't looking to see what's wrong with you. They're looking at what's right with you. So I thought that's good advice from Kirby. Yeah, and the last thing, Dane, when you said he's a Georgia fan, when I was talking to him at the G-Day game, he, you know, we were kind of reminiscing on how important that first title was. And he mentioned how much of a fan he was and how when Georgia fell short in 2012, he cried. <laughs> you, you weren't the only one, man. There were a lot of tears shed that day. Whole, whole so state it, was. It, it ripped his guts out. So that's a guy who, when he won it for Georgia, you know, he saw that uh, interception and he starts uh, losing it on the sideline. He That was – it wasn't just the relief on him as the quarterback who had struggled for a few quarters there. The fact they were going to do it. It's also, he understood in the moment how big a deal it was. So let's move on to Jalen <laughs> Carter. Uh, <laughs> Jalen Carter uh, says that Jordan Davis being beside him uh, in Philadelphia is going to be something that makes his transition to the league easier. Yeah, it just, it feels good. You know, all that Philly, you know, give uh, putting their trust in me and to come here and put in hard work and all. Uh, do what I can do to help the team. And uh, just talking to JD, man, he's just a, guy, a good guy to talk to. I could talk to him any anytime, call him any time of the day, any time of the night. You know, he's just my guy, and I love that, man. I don't think it could be a better spot for Jalen Carter, Coach. Right, I agree. Let's listen to all these. I, I love it. I don't want to take away nothing we can add to that. <laughs> Here's Nolan so. Smith. I'll say one thing that we show at Georgia is we have a culture program. So we believe in a culture and they believe in a culture here in the Eagles. And you felt that walking in the building. And um, this was one of my favorite top 30 visits. Just when I walked in the building, the culture, the people around here, they greet you with a smile. They say hello and really just the whole city. So it was really fun just, you know, going from a good culture to an even better culture. Look at all the arms you see those guys are just. Did you even listen to him? You were just looking at his arms. Just just look at the arms, man. Like, I'll piss Kirby off there. He said, go for me. Even good coaching, even better coaching that way. Oh, yeah. got <laughs> coaching the D line that Kirby let go. Uh, and uh, Tracy Rocker, D line coach. That's right. That's true. Jordan I just think Jackson when. When they take the defense or when they take the field, you'd have Jordan Davis and Breadman there, Jalen Carter side by side, Nolan Smith on the edge, Katie Ringer out there. And I'm just like, man, it's got to feel like old times. Jacoby Dean behind them. Jacoby Dean, exactly. Not even, they're not even the best player. I mean, Fletcher Cox, good Lord. That guy's <laughs> a demon, man. I mean, I Hassan think Jalen, Fletcher and – but they, I mean, they got to really – get that point. Maybe late in the game they get them all out there at one point. That'd be nice. Yeah, you try to run the ball on the Eagles. You see what happens. Uh, One more last one we have is from Broderick Jones. I really like this. He talked about how playing against all of those great first-round defensive linemen, even as a freshman at Georgia, made him better, made it where he could be a first-round tackle. You know, going versus as many people as I can remember, the Trayvons, the Aziz, the 
Jermaine Johnson, the Adam Anderson, the Nolan Smith, you know, um, you have no choice but to get better going against that many first-rounders um, because that's what it is. He said that there was a drill that freshman year where he rotated in. It was just one-on-one, but eight times. And it was against these guys that have since become first-round picks. Said he lost all eight reps. But he said that he got up and that he was better because of it. Good point, because uh, that, that's, a, that's a formidable list that he just went over. Uh, and, you know, uh, Anderson still got the trial out. He, he might still get to be up there. Uh, Jermaine Johnson transferred to Florida State, first round. Uh, a lot of good players there. It's amazing that Georgia won two titles without those guys. Yeah, let me just tell you this. Trayvon Walker, as good as he was, a first-round draft pick, one of the things that helped him and more than anything was a practice tape of him rushing the passer against Andrew Thomas. Well, you see what Andrew Thomas has become, too. I mean, I, I think he's one of Georgia's best players ever, but he's, what, the best left tackle in the league right now? I mean, Did he's... you listen to the first part of the show, General Manager? Or what are you doing? I had some internet trouble. so kind no, of I, think, I think he – we actually – yeah, he got cut out. We mentioned that earlier that his uh, – no, I was just busting you, but I, I like to bust you on. But, you know, I was mentioning that Jer- Daniel Jeremiah was saying that Andrew Thomas is right there at the top of the league. and uh, But, we, you know, once in a while, you had some internet problems, I yeah, I think I, you guys should bust me when I make mistakes because I make more than any of you, twice as many. But well, it's, re- it's reading day on campus at the university, so they may have cut the internet on me. Well, you know, that's one thing. I'm. Did you ever study on reading day, Roddy? Oh, God, no. Look, my, I, I, I missed just about every Monday in my senior year because I found out that uh, you can miss more than 10 days so long as you get a uh, – uh, an okay from the, the uh, principal and our principal's son was in, actually in our class. So when hey, Mr. Gibbs, I missed a few days, but it, it's okay. And he's like, all right, don't worry about it. Right. So yeah, I took three day weekends my whole senior year. So I'm a pretty, slack, pretty slack bastard. I don't do a, pretty, I don't do a lot of studying. Pretty obvious that you did do that. So. Exactly. And then reading day rolled around. I'm like, where are we going? <laughs> or, going to your pot. That's where you're going. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, it's Tuesday. Not a if it's reading day at UGA, and you're get you know you're starting to your eyes are starting to cross. Take a break. Hit up your pie. Grab the uh, avocado bacon club or the barbecue ch- uh, chicken bacon ranch. Hit up there. Uh, get the lineage. Oh, the lineage is so good. Uh, the Ishka. They have fantastic uh, specialty pizzas that the people who go there order all the time, or you can make your own. It's a great concept. You walk in, you tell them what uh, crust you want, what sauce you want, what cheese you want, however many toppings you want to throw on top of it. Uh, They pop it into the oven. You go pay, you get your drink, you get your gelato, you get your chips or whatever you want. You go sit down. By the time you check Twitter, uh, they bring a piping hot pizza right to your table. It is phenomenal. It's the best pizza you'll ever get. Uh, order on the app because it's Tuesday and you'll get double points. I uh, got a note, notification the other day that I qualified for uh, two large pizzas, five bucks off. They sent me the code for the 14 uh, inch pizza for 10 bucks. Come on. A homemade, I mean, a handmade pizza right there in front of you uh, for $10. You can't beat that. So hit up our friends at your pie. You will absolutely not regret it. Also, I want you to reach out to our friends at Prime Shrimp. Another great concept. These There's a uh, seafood processing company that actually uh, takes shrimp, peels them, uh, deveins them, uh, 
puts them into a packet with seasoning, fantastic seasoning from New Orleans. They know that it has to be good because they're in New Orleans. So when they make their uh, French Quarter Alfredo or their season trip, their Cajun trip, their lemon and cracked pepper, it has to match the quality of New Orleans. So uh, they ship it to you frozen. You take it, put it in your freezer. Then when you're ready, you drop it in some boiling water, flip the bag once, take it out, let it cool a little bit, open it up, drop it onto your uh, your pasta onto your grits if you want to have shrimp and grits whatever you want salad or just straight so hit up our friends at prime shrimp use promo code uga sports to get 20 percent off your first order it's pretty simple to remember uga sports and get 20 percent off have a new segment that we're going to this is going to be our, our beta test of it but uh content creation is hard y'all and especially once we get into summer we gotta have things to talk about here so we have our uh, content machine here very high tech deal where uh, we have questions in here and we're not originally, we we're going to do three in this episode. We're just going to do one and then we'll get to listener questions, but we'll see if these are any good. And uh, this is not going to make Roddy trivia. That's a different game that this producer has. That First a, question. That's a bad game. What's your favorite holiday? <laughs> what do you got, Roddy? Oh, uh, Thanksgiving. No question. Yes, you make it. Anybody. What's your favorite holiday, Coach? For me, Christmas. I'll pick Christmas, too. I'll pick other because that's such a lame question to start with. I promise this is a better content machine. Yeah. Thanksgiving, I just love the – everybody slowing down and all the family getting together. Christmas is, of course, great when you have kids. You can only have cheese or butter for the rest of your life. What do you choose? Roddy feels distraught. I'm going with cheese. I don't need much butter. Uh, Parmesan Reggiano, man. Come on. All right, we're going with cheese. All right. There are some football-related things in there, too, for the future. Man, that was really a ridiculous segment there. I tell you. uh, I need to go back to the draft and be the GM again. All right. There's one in there about which coach would wear uh, boat shoes to a wedding, so maybe we'll get that in the future. The answer is one must jam. Um, all right, let's. Uh... <laughs> you know what a dentist calls his X-rays? What? Toothpicks. Oh God! Here we go. <laughs> Should now. we just go to my perfect franchise so that we can get to listener questions, or is Ronnie going to come back? You're to like us? the restaurant on the moon. Yeah, oh my guy. Let's That's go good. to my folks in my perfect franchise real quick. Go to mention the no atmosphere. Oh, here we go. I can't stop trying to read. <laughs> Are you looking to diversify? Are you looking to leave the corporate rat race to gain control of your income and schedule? Unlimited paid time off, the ability to create income and wealth. Uh, let Andy Ludecki and her friends over at MyPerfectFranchise.net uh, walk you through the process of either starting a side business, taking over a franchise, changing your uh, career trajectory. It, it can be complicated. I mean, it's like, well, okay, well, do I need to get a building? Do I need a, do I need insurance? How do I do this? Uh, how do I get funding for it? What if I have the funding already? You know, what's what's the best return on investment? Look, don't just tr- sit down at Google and try to figure out what the hell you're going to do with your life. Reach out to Andy Ludecki at MyPerfectFranchise.net. It's his job. He helps people do it. He's done it himself. He's done it for tons of folks at UJSports.com, tons of folks in the Rivals Network, or a lot of folks at our Orange Blood site, the Texas site, have worked with him. So he has a proven system. 
It doesn't cost you anything. So reach out to Andy Ludecki and MyPerfectFranchise.net. He will take care of you. It's, it's uh, very, very simple. It's He, make, he makes it uh, – uh, what's the word I look for? He, even I could do it. Let's put it that way. If, if I needed to change jobs, which I probably will after that last segment uh, – no, I I think the word you're looking for is seamless. Uh, and that last segment was not that. Yes, yeah, he does make it seamless. He's uh, uh, he's going to take care of you. Uh, speaking of seamless, I want to mention our friends at Dead Soxy. They have a new promotion there, and they don't. No, have those one. have seams, Roddy. I'm pretty sure that's they all don't have word. that annoying seam that runs across the top that wears against your uh, gotcha. toe there that just annoys the hell out of you. Or maybe that's just me, but I hate the uh, socks with a real big seam across the top. Just drive me nuts so you don't have to worry about that because there's a really smooth and they don't slide down so that even if you don't if you do have the seam lined up you know in a pair of crappy socks and all of a sudden it shifts and now it's hurting your toe in those tight tight dress shoes you don't have to worry about that because hey their socks don't slide uh, right now they have a 30 percent off deal for graduates you're trying to get something for all the graduates i know my wife and i have four letters on the kitchen table right now to some of my son's high school buddies who he graduated last year. They're graduating this year. We're sending them stuff. Uh, I need to come up with gifts for these guys. So I'm thinking, Hey, these fantastic socks, they need them for job interviews. They need them for uh, getting out in the world. And the stuff you get from dead socks, it looks so good. The presentation is so nice. You know, each pair of socks come in a cool uh, envelope, the, the packaging. It feels like you're getting a watch, you know, it feels like you're getting something really cool. So hit up my friends at Dead Socks. You use promo code UGA Sports, get 30% off. I mean, that's a deal. 30%. Promo code UGA Sports uh, at checkout to get a gift for your favorite new grad. Hit them up. Um, and you don't have to think about, you know, what the promo code is it grad something. No. UGA Sports, where you're watching the show. Hit up our friends at DeadSoxy.com. Let's go to questions from members of the dog band. This is from D-Rock UGA, Coach Donnan. Uh, which five draft picks from Georgia go highest next year? Ooh, good question. Uh-huh. You know, it's a little early there. A, a lot of it has to do with uh, production. Of course, first one's going to be Bowers. And then uh, after that, I, I, I don't know. We have a legitimate guy number one go in the first round there, there, there's guys that maybe could you know Mims, Lassiter a lot, a lot of guys could but uh, I, I, I can't just pick out right now I mean I, I really prime myself for this this year's draft to talk today <laughs> give me give me a little uh, time to watch these guys over the summer and I'll answer that that was a great question I'll answer that back in the fall uh, D-Rock UJ also mentioned Smunden and Van Pran as possible high draft picks. Uh, you know, uh, they're going to be drafted, that's for sure. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll see uh, what happens there. I mean, I, I'm not going to tip my cap either way on that one. I, I think Munden will test very well athletically. I think it's really hard for a center to draft it super high. I think that's very difficult. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Go dogs. Thirteen seventy one. Coach Donnan as an offensive coach. How much did the holding rule change uh, and affect the way that you ran your offense and taught your players? It's huge. I mean, you know, it used to be you couldn't get your hands outside the framework. I mean, it, 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 you know, being able to do that now, use your hands a lot better, it makes it. So much uh, easier to block people because you're going against these guys that are 
so big that uh, if you have any leverage, you got to use it to lean on them. So uh, I thought that and uh, bringing the hash marks in, even though they didn't bring them in much, uh, I think it's good to for the offense, that's for sure. If you really wanted to have a wide open offensive production, you would uh, bring the hash marks in like the pros where the ball's never really on the hash. You know, they're, they're so much more condensed. But uh, defensive coaches like that say the sideline's your best friend. You know what I mean? They haven't got so much room to run in there, so that's why they're going to defend the field more. From pick one, do you think Kyrus Jackson and Jack Podlesny make their rosters? You never know uh, with kickers because a lot of times they bring in kickers and they got an established one. I don't know that Minnesota has an established kicker. I don't know much about their background, but I think once he gets up there, he's a guy that uh, can definitely flourish. The The fact that they got a, a indoor stadium helps too. I mean, it's a lot easier to kick indoors than kicking out there when it's minus three degrees and, and you know, uh, but he, He's got two games a year for sure. He's going to play. I mean, another, I mean, nine games a year. He's going to play indoors because he's going to go for sure against the Detroit Lions too in his division. Uh, the thing about Kiaris is, again, special teams. He's just a dynamo. He can cover kicks. He can block on kicks. He can uh, return kicks. Uh, he'll make it just because he's that kind of player. Uh, I think, and he's got something to prove too. Uh, you know, he. He's a possession receiver, which you got to have him up there. He can do that. From Rug Slanger, he says, and it seems the most successful teams are also the oldest, meaning the average age of the starters are older than the competition. We've seen older players come back and improve. Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, Jordan Davis, Stetson Bennett, and a lot of times fourth, fifth, or even sixth-year guys in this new era of college football could player retention into that fourth or fifth year being a – could that be a deciding factor in winning championships? Yeah, I wish it would. He makes a good point, but I just don't see it. There's too much opportunity out there to go early in the draft. If you're a good enough player, there's just so much money out there. But you can negate that a little bit with NIL now where they can maybe make some money in college that they wouldn't normally make. But uh, I just don't see the, the really good teams like us. It's going to be hard to tell a guy like Brock Bowers, hey, come back. You know, you need that experience. I mean, you can't look at a guy in, in the eye and tell him that. I couldn't tell Champ Bailey, hey, Champ, you know, come on back. Feel sorry for your coach here. Play <laughs> but you got to gotta be honest with them and tell them, you know, give them – and there's some guys like Heinz Ward. I said, look, you, you get one more year learning how to be a receiver. It'll make a lot of difference in your career. And he believed in me. Robert Edwards, the same thing. Because Robert hadn't played running back that much and he had that injury the one year before I got here. So you, you got to have that relationship with the pros that they, that, that they counsel you. And then you bring that across to your players. But I, I just don't see uh, the older teams that are, are will be winning with older players um, because if they're playing because they got another year because of COVID like Wake Forest, Two years ago, they had 26 guys, I think, come back COVID, and they won a lot of games, but none of them got drafted. So I don't think there's a correlation to that. 
do you think we're seeing when we talk about these guys like Kamari Lasser that come out and you know blow it up? As, not uh, it's gonna be Malachi Starks. It comes out as true freshman and has a big year. Got you know you have so many more freshmen and sophomores performing now at such high levels. But I think a lot of these players are coming into college a lot more prepared than they used to be. They they've got weight training programs, you know, in middle schools now. The high school coaching has gotten better, especially in the state of Georgia. The state of Georgia has fantastic coaches. A lot of these guys are prepared or better prepared by the time they get to college. They seem a little few more, you know, they're not all coming in having just run veer the whole life. Uh, they come in running some pretty tough offenses, some pretty complicated defenses. They get to Georgia, you know, or these other schools and they're a little bit better prepared. So I think we've moved the calendar forward. And I, I agree with Coach. I just don't think you're going to have uh, – you always see that team in the NCAA tournament and then basketball that makes a huge run deep into it because there's a bunch of, you know, fourth, fifth-year guys who played together for so long, you know, and I just don't see that happen. Yeah, look at North Carolina this year in basketball. I mean, had all those guys back and didn't even make the NCAA tournament. You just never know. But yeah. I will say this, and this doesn't necessarily relate to Malachi – but a lot of times us as fans who, you know, look at these guys, boy, great players and all, and they come in and they play as freshmen and we may make them we, – we think they're better than they really are because they're playing as younger guys on a great team, but mainly because of the position need there. But sometimes they come in and they're such a dominant player they can play early, you know, like Carter or Bowers or something like that. So there's really not any – direct correlation between a guy playing early and necessarily being a draft choice. It just depends on how good he, you know, is he playing because he's just so much better than the older guys and he is going to be one or is he playing because we don't have anybody there, you know? So uh, that's something you got to look at. It would bring nuance into this argument, coach. We don't need your facts and explanations. Well, I, I think that gets back to us being so high on Washington and Ringo, you know, because they did so well here, but uh, we'll uh, just the fact you're drafted in the, and you can say you were a, a draft choice, uh, you know, makes you feel good. I mean, I never was drafted, but I mean, I had a chance to play in Canada, but I was I was worried I couldn't speak the French up there, so I didn't go. Over there. <laughs> I'm gonna go back real quick. This question. Hang on, you talking about how hard it is to make a coach? Uh, they're asking about Podlesny. And you think about it, there's 32 kickers in the world. There's 32 punters in the world that play in the NFL. Uh, it's, not, it's not five or six deep on each team. And each year you're graduating over 100 punters, 100 kickers from NCAA that are trying to make these teams. And then, of course, the guys that maybe got cut last year or didn't make it, they're still there. So each year you have guys within – four or five years of the time they graduated, still trying to make these teams, the, the fight to get one of these spots. It's the same across the board. Right. Of them. It's just in Pod's, case, Pod's case, he can kick off. Yeah. Which that, that's invaluable to be able to knock it in the end zone. And, you know, he's really accurate. I mean, the goalposts are condensed a little bit, but uh, I thought it was really a interesting scenario there where both the Michigan punter and the place kicker were drafted, which – you know, goes to show you, Michigan got a few elite players too. So did TCU, eight guys. Yeah, all of them, most all of them transfers too. <laughs> I thought that was another deal. I mean, that guy was drafted way after, uh, way after Bennett. 
Uh, Max Duggan, yeah. Boo, BMF for dog says, Coach, uh, how did you handle talking to NFL personnel about Georgia prospects in the draft? Were you honest with them, blatantly honest, or did you ever try to hold back a little information and try to help your players? Well, they're never going to come back and say you if you bullshit them. I promise you that. Excuse my language. Uh, you, you, that's the only way to say it. You you, you got to have that kind of relationship with a high school coach. Hey, coach, tell me the real deal here. Can this guy play here or not? And if he tells you that he can play and he can't, you're going to have a hard time. I mean, certainly it's up to the coach, the head coach, to make that decision. But, you, you know, that that's a big part of my – uh, you listen to Kirby talk about when they go out and evaluate players, they talk to the guidance counselors, everybody in the school to find out a lot about what makes this guy tick because you got only got 25 of them so you, that you can bring in. The same thing with these pro guys. Uh, I know when I first got here, I was a little leery about letting pro guys come around because I felt like it was taken away from our practices a little bit, you know, because all these guys were – didn't know me and they were worried more about their pro situation than they were being on the team, maybe, you know, early. So I had some pretty strict rules about they couldn't come, but so many times, you know, and, and, and uh, so one of the NFL general managers came to see me and said, look, you know, you realize that, that you're kind of putting out a bad signal here to the rest of the league that, you know, not being accessible. Uh, one of the best things you can do as a head coach is, is let these guys come in here. They're not going to take away from your practices and all that. So I, I made that change, and it was a good move. I listened to him because he made a good point. I mean, uh, and uh, that, that's what you got to do. You got to have that relationship with them where you can, uh, what do you think of this guy? And I'm going to tell them. Uh, and these guys take a lot of credence to these personality trait things that they do. Like, I won't say who this guy was, but a guy from the uh, one of the NFL teams said, "Do you think this w- it would bother this guy if he gave up more than one sack in a game?" I said, "Hell yeah, it would bother him." I mean, it would bother. He said, "Well, you know his his tendencies on these personality traits is, is he seems to have a little little characteristic of of uh, worrying too much, and uh, you, you got to have." Uh, you know, you can't get too caught up. If you get beat, you got to go on and go to the next play. But that's the way they look at these guys. I mean, they see they got these personality traits that they test them on. And uh, he was right about that guy. The guy did worry about rat manure when there was elephant turds all around. Uh, let's wrap with this question. And then uh, we have others we want to get to, but we'll save those for next week. But boom effort. Yeah, I, boom I can in. keep going as long as you want me to today. I mean, I got nothing pressing, so we can go to 6 o'clock if you want to. <laughs> Wait, y'all can, but I can't. Uh, reading day means meetings on the campus at UGA. Boom MFR dog wants to know, Coach, what do you think about the men and women's tennis teams? How far do they go in the tournament? Can they bring home the trophy? Yeah, I'm fired up about that next week, this weekend. I'm worried about the rain. Uh, you know, our indoor courts are getting uh, research, refinished and, and building a new larger deal where we can have six courts. But uh, we got a good draw both ways. Uh, tough tough match for us, maybe having to play men, NC State, second round. You know, NC State upset some teams in the ACC tournament. But uh, we're in the same bracket if we get to the round of – See, you know, the quarterfinals are played off campus. 
we're in the same bracket with TCU who beat us during the regular season. So, and then our women's teams in the same bracket uh, of semifinals instead of Texas A&M, who we beat, we'd have to beat North Carolina, but you got to get there. But uh, boy, it's really great year for tennis here. Uh, Going to be a tremendous weekend. Uh, like that guy from the New York Jets said that time, I can't wait. I can't wait to watch them. It's going to be great. And anybody that wants to go out there and follow them, uh, they play, you know, the women play Friday and Saturday. If they win Friday, they play Saturday later. The men play Sunday, Saturday and Sunday. And uh, $5, come on. If you can't afford it, I'll buy you a ticket. Uh, go watch it and play. Okay. Hey, we're going to limit that to 1,000 fans. <laughs> you just whip out that big roll of bills you carry around in your pocket all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's I for players, that's man. That's not for you. <laughs> True. Well, well, name, well. name, image, and Donnan. <laughs> yeah. The NID. I never forget the. I was some guy was asking me a couple of days, what's some interesting recruiting stories you have? And I had this one lady and she was really good and her son was a good back. And I, I put it on her. I mean, I felt like it's one of the best because she was the first thing she hit me with when I went in for official business said, coach, I'm worried about the fact that when, when we were there, that the, those girls that were showing the players around and the hostess, they're, skirts were really short and I said what and she said they were wearing short skirts and I said well let me just tell you something I don't really control the length of the skirts but uh, I don't think you're going to go anywhere where the women don't wear different length skirts and everything and uh, so I, I apologize if that offended you but I would have, have to think that other places I mean what they do have knee length skirts on or something <laughs> I had to overcome that, so I got going. And then I was talking about academics and everything. You got to remember, the first thing she asked me was about the skirts. And then she, so I hit her hard and hit the sun hard, and I felt good about it. And she said, "All right, let's talk about automobiles." <laughs> bills, automobiles. I said, "You mean more than one, right?" She said, "Yeah, two." So she went from the skirts being too short to hit me up for two cars. See that that's how you negotiate. You put them on the defensive coach, you know, now you gotta make up for the short skirts and you gotta get her a car too. I'm, I didn't I didn't she doing. I wasn't into that car, those car deals. Now I had some people that might have set some up for them, but uh but can you believe it? She was hitting me about the length of the girls' skirts. <laughs> Again, I mean, people don't even want to hear this. I can't believe I said that. I'm sorry. No, it's, it's absolutely people want to hear all of it. That's hilarious. I, I, just, I, I remember talking to a guy who left Georgia a few years ago about some of the, like the you know, Reuben Foster, you know, Shaq Wiggins, some, you know, Tramiel Terry, that class. So, man, you, you got to write a book. You got to write a book about this. And he said, look, if I wrote the book, no one would believe 90% of the stuff that's in it. <laughs> Fair. Well, it, can be, it can be a fiction book. <laughs> it, it would read that way. All right, folks, that's all the time we have for this week's show. We will be back next Tuesday at noon. Uh, be sure to tune in on either this uh, YouTube channel, this Facebook page, or this Twitter handle. So We appreciate that, and we will see you next week. Take care.